Welcome to the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, with a private practice where I specialize in working with women as well as maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we'll be discussing all things childhood, womanhood, and motherhood, and everything in between. I'll be interviewing various women who will be sharing their birth stories, as well as others who will be providing tips to help us be able to navigate this crazy world that we live in. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. Hey guys, it's been a minute. <laughs> um, everything did not go as planned as nothing typically does. So the original plan was March was Women's History Month and I was recording a two-part episode where I would be talking about women in our black history that we admire. That was going to be part two of the last episode that I posted. However, um, something called coronavirus came along and just kind of threw everything off. Um, So today's episode is going to be one that I recorded about a month ago with a dear friend of mine. And we were supposed to record this in March, but we ended up recording it a month ago and I didn't get to post it exactly when we recorded it because my world is crazy and I have two kids now and life is just all over the place. However, (laughs) I am back. Um, The goal was to take two months off and then launch season two and here we are. So why not be able to kick that off with an episode that I was supposed to air with season one. However, aside from that, I did want to let you know that there's so much that we have to catch up on. Obviously, I've had my son, Ellis, who is a bundle of joy and is beautiful and he has dimples, y'all. He is such a sweet baby. I adore him. And my experience with him was vastly different than it was with Ezra. And just to kind of give you some insight without going into too much detail, because I'm going to have a whole episode about my birth story with Ellis. um, It was great. Um, My postpartum journey has been phenomenal. Although Corona has hit, I felt immensely supported by friends and family And they haven't even been able to physically be here. No one has been able to meet him. No one has come to the house. Nothing. And I know that I'm in Georgia. And we have reopened pretty much everything. Well, the governor did. And we still have not been out. We've not dined out in restaurants. We've not gone out anywhere. And for several reasons, one of which my mother, which I've talked about before, is a cancer survivor. She only has one lung and one kidney. And she's not someone that I want to infect with anything and jeopardize her well-being. On top of that, I have two little ones. And I know that there's not much information about how corona affects children. But being that I have a newborn, I don't even want to go there. So (laughs) school is still out and I have both of them at home and I've gone back to work now. Um, I'm only working two days a week part-time doing virtual sessions with clients. Mental health is definitely real right now 
and people are taking advantage of getting counseling, which I highly encourage anyone to do. There's just so much going on in the world, and I'm recording this in the midst of all of the protests that are going on, which is also something that's very surreal. Um, Just being a black mother, having a newborn, having her second son, coming out or in or whatever around Corona, and we are in an election year. So things are kind of hot right now. But I don't want to talk too much um, because this episode is something that I didn't want to not post because I felt like it was very relevant. More than anything right now, um, race and discrimination is something that's a huge topic. And it's so interesting getting emails from big companies like Netflix and Amazon talking about how they stand against racism. And this episode is women in our black history that we admire. And my dear friend and I are discussing three women that we really look up to that's a part of our history. And that is African-American. And with saying all of that, it is a huge reminder that I know, for one, having a baby during Corona can create a lot of anxiety, but being a black woman and having a baby during a time where all we see on the news and television is people who look like us getting murdered. And that's really hard and difficult to see, as well as being filled with tons of mixed feelings of anger, frustration, anxiety, fear, or what have you when you're becoming a new mom. And that can definitely damper or cloud the joy that you have because you brought this beautiful bundle of joy into this world. So just a side note, um, Friday, June 19th at 7 p.m., I will be co-hosting an IG live with a doula. Um, The two of us are going to be discussing just what it's like right now to be a black mother raising black children. And I'm super excited. Her name is Makina Table. And she is a doula here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, You can follow her on Instagram. Her Instagram page is Flora Fauna Doula. She's pretty awesome. If you follow Push Through Mom, you'll see that I have the both of us posted on there. So you'll be able to see that. But I'm looking forward to it because she and I are just going to be talking about how, you know, it's real. Feel the feelings. Definitely acknowledge that our way of raising our kid is significantly different than our peers. And on top of that, being able to navigate that and figure out ways to still be present and not allow everything that's going on surrounding us make us feel as if we cannot be the mothers that we want to be. Because we still can. Um, So without much ado, (laughs) I'm going to introduce this episode that you're about to listen. Look forward for you listening to my birth story with Ellis, as well as what's been going on in my life. A couple of episodes on being able to maintain your mental health during this time. Resources that you can take advantage of in order to get the help that you need, as well as tons of other birth stories. And... Other people that I'm going to be able to 
um, utilized in my postpartum journey. While I was pregnant, you know, I told you about Shekana Haley, who did my um, blessing way. Plus, I was getting massages um, at the art of touch massage (laughs) place um, that I loved and just all of the other things that I implemented during my pregnancy that was super helpful. And now I'm going to talk about all the things that I'm doing in my postpartum that has really catapulted my mental health and put me in a great space and made this journey this time around so much better. Also, shout out to Karen. (laughs) Karen was someone that I interviewed not much long ago. Um, in the episode, I'm a Haitian mother. I definitely fell into um, the struggle of being able to properly accept my body. And I'm someone who's all about body positivity, for sure. But I was struggling with the fact of, you know, I'm going back to work, I'm doing video sessions. I want to dress professional in the videos and just feel like I'm getting up and I'm going somewhere because I haven't been anywhere since March 11th, but nothing fits but t-shirts and tights. And um, that was just kind of difficult. And I realized rationally, I'm only two months postpartum and genetically, I'm not built to just be right back where I was before. I am definitely someone that will have to exercise for the rest of my life to maintain what I am now. Um, However, irrationally, I fell into the loop of putting pressure on myself to get back to where I was. And I'm so grateful to Karen because she was able to ground me and bring me back to reality (laughs) and being able to embrace where I am right now and the the incredible body that I have that has carried two kids and has brought me this far and being able to give myself some grace on this road of my body, just being able to heal and have somewhat resemblance of what it used to be. And it may not even get back to that. And that's okay. Um, so thanks, Karen. But I hope you really enjoyed this episode. And if there are three people that you admire in Black history, please email me, DM me, um, message me. I'm going to put a post about this on Instagram um, because this is the perfect time right now. I am incredibly proud to be Black. (laughs) I'm incredibly proud to be a Black woman. And I, I hate what my people are going through, have gone through for centuries Um, but over and over again, I wouldn't want to be anything else. And despite how there are some not so nice people in the world who like to make black people not embrace who they are, um, and oppress, I think we are phenomenal and we have been through some very difficult times. And these women that we'll be sharing today are true to my heart and helped me along in reminding me of, of where we've been, where we're going. And I want to hear from you and who you admire, whether that's in your family, that's friends, that's someone in history or someone who's famous, whomever, but who in our history, um, that you kind of adore and look up to, please share. So Stay tuned for what's to come, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Until next time.
Okay, guys, I have one of my best friends here, Julia. And just to give you a little feedback about Julia, Julia is a beacon. She is a monster in her community. She's a huge volunteer. She's on tons of communities. She's super involved in her sorority. She is a dean at a college. She's a mom of two. She's a wife. She's a daughter. She's phenomenal, super strength, and I admire her so much. So I was glad to be able to record this episode with her. We were supposed to record it in March to go along with Women's History Month, but Corona hit, and so we've been held captive in our homes and not have been able to record like we wanted to, juggling homeschooling kids, me giving birth, her still having to work and navigate a whole campus from her house. And all of that. So we're just now being able to sit down and talk about it. And it's April now. So you see how long this has taken effect on everyone. But I still wanted to do it for us to be able to talk about it um, and be able to just share about it. And something that's so funny, I was talking to my mom about you the other day. And she thinks that you're two people. (laughs) (laughs) So she thinks Julia is the dean and Jay is a is a school teacher. <laughs> I, said, I said, "Mom, they're they're the same person." She thinks she saw Jay. She's only met Jay. She's never met Julia. <laughs> and I'm like, "No, they're the same person." I'm sorry, I interchanged her name <laughs> and, and I confuse you, but it's the same person. <laughs> You know what? She's not the first person to get it confused. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so how are you? I am good, girl. You just make me sound so good. You are awesome. She's amazing. And you know what? I'm a firm believer. And it's not that I think that you should lose friends. But I feel like you should have friends in your life that motivate you and that are motivated and that are doing things because it helps you keep pushing forward. And I feel like that's what you are and that's what you've always brought to me. And we always have these philosophical conversations and we could talk about music and movie and film and culture and history and all of that stuff. And I feel so grateful for that. And I feel like it's so needed. And that's why I was... I was like, I'm going to ask her to be a part of this episode for us to talk about three phenomenal women that we admire in history or in our personal lives that we wanted to discuss. Oh, um, thank you for having me on. You know, it's been a minute since this podcast game. I know. Jay and I have a podcast, (laughs) by the way. So those of you all that don't know, Keisha and I had a podcast maybe about a year or two ago. Probably about two years ago. Yes. Um, So getting back into podcasting mode is kind of cool. But thank you for having me on. Thank you for those amazing words about me. I, I just feel good. It made me feel all warm inside. Like, <laughs> girl, that's you. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. So I'll get into, we'll do like every other. I'll get into the first person that I admire that's in history. Um, the first person is someone that my mom and I both share an admiration for and this is like a rant a random thing um but we both really like tina turner oh (laughs) and when what's love got to do with it i remember when we went to the movies and saw it and my mom was instantly connected to 
the movie. And I don't know if everybody's heard her episode interview, but her and Tina Turner share a lot of similarities in their lives. My mom has not been a performer on stage or anything like that, but um, they were both given away by their mothers. Um, They were both teenage mothers. My mom was 18 when she had my oldest brother. They both married young. They both had abusive relationships. Um, They both kind of escaped their relationships and just had to, you know, push forward and be able to overcome a lot of the obstacles that they had faced. So my mom just like connected to her so much. And then I read Tina's autobiography that came out about two or three years ago where she discussed her battle with cancer. I think she had pancreatic (laughs) cancer. And that's what... I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if she publicly discussed it or not. But um, my mother has had cancer. She had renal cancer and she had lung cancer. And my grandmother, my mother's mother, died of pancreatic cancer. And um, oh. Tina in her autobiography talked about how there's really no cure for pancreatic cancer. There's no cure for cancer in general, but pancreatic is the one that kind of kills you the fastest. Usually you have like a a lifespan of six months. Once you get the diagnosis, it's the most aggressive one. And she did not want to go through the pain of it um, or suffer through it. So she hired one of those doctors to end her life. And she just wanted to just die versus having to become debilitated and, you know, suffer in pain and and all of that. And she literally had hired this person. It was all set up. And her husband, because they live in Switzerland, Mm -hmm. was like, I don't want you to do this. You know, I'm not for this. Like, let's figure something else out. So somehow she didn't go into detail about it. She beat it. She didn't share how. Um, but you know, she is wealthy, so people know things we don't know. (laughs) And, um, and then she also has a son who suffers from mental illness and my oldest brother does as well. My oldest brother is diagnosed with bipolar disorder and we've been estranged from him since 2007 and Tina's son committed suicide. And she, she's just someone who's just always had some sort of obstacle to kind of overcome. And she discussed in the book about how, I don't remember if you remember this, but in her latter years, she was like going on tour. It was like the last time she was performing. She was like I remember that. Show after show after show. I think she like performed with Beyonce on one of the Grammy Award shows or whatever. Right. And she still like had it, was still doing um, all of her dance routines. It just looked great. And in the book, she described talking about it as she was very detached from that world. She was really just doing it to save up enough money to take care of all of her family for the rest of their lives and to secure her financial self for the rest of her life. But she felt like it was a job that she just had to show up to. Let me just, you know, stack this money and just be done with this. And finally, when she did, that's when she got the cancer scare. And my mom always talks about, you know, why do these bad things always occur? Because it's like you can never escape one thing after another after another. And it's just like, you know, enough. Have I not dealt with enough? And I remember even saying that to my mom before. Like, you know, good God, you know, can she have like a timeout or whatever? But 
I think what I admire about them so much is like how you were even saying you didn't even know Tina had all of that going on. And I think that both of them, my mom and Tina, have this grace about them where despite everything that happens to them, it never seems to make them bitter or broken or look like life has been so hard. And I find that very inspiring in that they kind of just confront it, deal with it, and keep it going in how they are both like anchors in their families. And right. I just admire that so much. So that's that's my first person. <laughs> wow. I am definitely going to add that to my uh, quarantine reading list. Um, just, I, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I... I, I mean, of course, you know about the stuff with Ike and her coming back when she pretty much lost everything then. But I didn't know she was sick. And I consider myself someone that keeps up on, you know, like pop culture and, you know, celebrity news. And I I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I never knew she had a son with mental illness. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I, I'm definitely going to have to read that. And um, it's funny you started out with... Um, Tina and you know how she kind of relates to your mother because um for me when you you know you told me to choose three people and I'm like okay historical people and stuff like that and I kind of most of my people are people that um I know personally Mm -hmm. and and I chose them because of um how they've inspired me or how I'm looking at them differently now Mm -hmm. and the first person that I chose is my mother Mm -hmm. and I know a few months ago when you and I went out to um we went to we had Italian cravings so we did we had a feast our feast <laughs> table we cover. went up to have a feast an italian feast and during that and you're one of the few people that i'm very vulnerable with about you know kind of my relationship with my mother and how um you know how it's been just kind of a, a sense of frustration for me throughout the years just because my mother is such a sweet soul and i feel that people take advantage of her and um her ways, whether it's finances, whether it's just her good heart. And it's been such a frustrating thing for me to watch throughout my life because I, I, I've never understood it. And in my mind, I've always considered her weak. Mm -hmm. And I've always said that, you know, I I just don't want to be like her. She's just so weak. She lets people take advantage of her. And my mom has survived a lot. I mean, an abusive marriage with my dad and I'm telling her business without her permission, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, she'll forgive me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you know, she's, she's just survived so much. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. She had a stroke (laughs) at 41, Mm -hmm. which they gave probably gave her, I think it was a 30% chance of, Mm -hmm. you know, being back to normal and she's still fully functioning. So she had to literally learn how to walk again, learn how to do all these things again. But, you know, just throughout my life, we just had just this really just, just, I'm trying to think of the right word to it's kind of like just a relationship where we didn't understand each other so I just I saw her as weak and it it wasn't until I think recently and I was talking to you and I had this epiphany that I was like 
I've been seeing this woman as weak for so long, but she is so strong. Mm-hmm. All the things like she had to survive. She had to leave a country to come to another country to start a life where her kids like I wouldn't be who I am without my mother. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be in the positions that I am without my mother. She sacrificed so much. She's done so many things just to make sure that her children were okay. And for me, her forgiven spirit, I've already, I've always seen as a weakness, but that's her strength. Yeah. That is her strength to be able to say that that's you. You did that to me. I don't have to walk around with that. I forgave you. And it wasn't really until I listened to your interview with your mother (laughs) that I had that breakthrough. It really wasn't until I listened to your interview with your mom and Mm -hmm. that was life changing for me. Mm. It really, really was. Um, It just allowed me the opportunity to see her in a different light and understood that, (coughs) excuse me, she she did the best she could. Mm -hmm. And. Everything she did was in a mode of survival Mm -hmm. and really trying to make a better life for herself and her kids. And she didn't have a blueprint. You know, there Mm -hmm. was no, well, here's what you do. Here's what you do. She was just trying to survive and at the same time make a life. So definitely my mom is, you know, someone I really, really admire. I still don't agree with some of her decisions. Yeah. But it allowed me to look at strength differently. It allowed me to look at resiliency differently and understand that it doesn't always look like what I think it looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, Sacrifice doesn't always look like what you think it should look Mm -hmm. like. So um, in motherhood and womanhood doesn't always look like what you think it should look like. It allowed me to um, kind of not forgive her because she didn't need my forgiveness, but forgive my forgive myself for what my feelings towards her. And it's not that I never loved her. Mm-hmm. I always loved my mother, but I think I gained a new respect for her. <gasps> then did you ever tell her all of this? You said what? Did you ever tell her all of this? I haven't. I, and I need to, you know, I think, you know, the other day we were talking and, and this is something that I never said to her before. I said, I, I get it, mom. I understand you, you know, and I don't think she understood in the moment what I was trying to say. Um, but I do need to have that conversation with her very sooner than later. And she may have had no idea that I've been feeling like this. I don't think she does. Um, and, and I think it's going to be tough to say, well, here's how I felt about you. But here is here's where we are now. Yeah. So I think instead of telling her how I felt, I think it's more important for telling how, her how I feel right yeah. now. Because yeah. I think telling her how I felt could be a bit damaging mm-hmm. versus saying, well, here. And I mean, somebody may listen to this and tell her. But um <laughs> But I think it's more important for her to know the positive because the negatives were nothing that she did. Those were my feelings and how I felt about things. And they had nothing to do with her as a mother, you know. So I think it's very important for us to, you know, um, acknowledge the women in our lives and let them know how we feel. And I think the best way to start is by the woman that gave me life to say, 
you know, I see you, you know, we, we tend to do it with, you know, our friends and colleagues, but I think it's important to tell my mother who somebody may have never told her this is, I see you, I appreciate you, I see your strength. Right. You know, she's the one that has to fight for her life, literally, you right. know, her survival and everything. So um, my mom, I'm going to kick it off with her because, you know, I... I absolutely adore and respect her. And, um, you know, I just, I have a new take on, like I say, strength and resiliency through her. Strength is not always a person that, you know, is so tough in your mind Mm -hmm. that, you know, is so bad and big and bold. You know, strength is the person that, like you said, you know, like Tina and your mom, that's dealt with it quietly in their own way and it's just like it's here I gotta deal with it I dealt with it now I moved on yeah yeah and I also feel like those conversations with our mothers being that we're their only daughters yes are beneficial for them to hear like you said because I don't think that they have had anybody to talk to about what they've been through and I think when I recorded an episode with my mom, that was her first time ever talking about it, especially all in like one story right. connected. And that was really hard for her, but it was also therapeutic for her to get it out and then to kind of reflect back for herself. Cause you know, like they repress, well, so many people repress so much just to be able to survive. Right. And I think that it's so helpful and just especially like hearing like hey I like really appreciate you and like you said like strength is so subjective because I have two kids now and I don't see how people have one and two kids like I'll just be like ah, ah. And, and then and my husband and I will go back and forth and he'll say oh you know there's women out there who got five kids and you know they make where there's women out there who got six kids and yeah they may but I don't know if the care for the children <laughs> are, you know, if the attention or whatever is all the same and everybody's just different. Everybody's capacity is just right. different and everybody's adjustment is just different, but it doesn't make someone weaker or stronger. It's just, it's just different. Everyone's approach is different. Exactly. And everybody's battle is different. Mm-hmm. You know, that person with six kids, maybe like they, they can run on autopilot and they may be good. And then there might be one person with one a, a, ch- a child <laughs> that may feel like they're drowning. Yeah. And again, it doesn't make one person weak or strong. Like you said, it's all subjective. And every battle, everybody's battle is their battle. Yeah. You know, my battle may look different from you, but it doesn't diminish what it is. Just because like with two kids, sometimes I also feel like I'm drowning, <laughs> you know, with everything else that I have going on and also trying to create space for myself. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I used to feel bad and we've had several conversations because I'm like, well, so-and-so got four kids and they're they're They make it look easy. But we had to come to terms like that's their journey. Maybe they were equipped to dealing with four kids. You know, it's two might be overwhelming for me with whatever or you never know. They may have built in help. They may have a mother around the corner, a cousin, you know, so, yeah. It's different. Strength is different. 
That's good. I like that. And I can't wait to hear what she says when you tell her. Hopefully by the time I interview you, you would have had this conversation. You know what? I'm hoping so. I'm going to go see her next weekend, which is, it's been a while since I've seen them. And you know, I'm used to seeing my parents like every other weekend because they normally get our kids. But you know, Rona is out in these streets. and um, My uncle has it. My uncle has Corona and he is in the hospital in Milledgeville. It's real. It is so real. But you know, we're rushing to get open now, so, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So for the conspiracy theorists that said, you know, they're just targeting black. No, it's real. (laughs) Stay y'all asses in the house. You know, stop having y'all IG parties together. (laughs) You know, this will pass if y'all just stay in the damn house. Right. It's not too much to ask. (laughs) <laughs> so who was your number two? So my number two was it was really hard because um I love Toni Morrison, I love Oprah Winfrey, I love Stacey Abrams, I love Michelle hey. Obama. <laughs> you know, it's hard. So I went with Phyllis Wheatley. Ooh. Um because she hit me in third grade Black History Month. Hey. Her story like stuck with me. You ever like people you you hear about, you know, your Martin, your your Harriet's, your Sojourner Truth, but mm-hmm. there'll be just like one that will just like attach to you. And yes. I think what I really liked about Phyllis, of course, like she was a published author. Mm-hmm. And being that she was a slave, she was a slave to a well off white family. They kind of had her as a slave as a companion to their daughter. Um, and published her work. Eventually, they ended up passing away, and she ended up kind of just being out there. Um, not she wasn't like a slave in a traditional sense of being on a plantation picking cotton, and so she didn't have those type of. And I hate to like say it like this because it's I'm so removed from it, but she didn't have the quote unquote skills of a slave. (laughs) Um, I know what you mean. <laughs> if that makes any sense yeah, at all. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, she was the one who learned about history and culture and art and was a writer and was celebrated in that way, in that household. And so to have be to be thrown out of that because of her slave owners having passed, she didn't have any necessary value. Yeah. Um, she ended up getting married, but she died. I think she died of like, I don't know if it was, some disease she died from, but was very poor. She even had a child that died because um, mm. they couldn't afford to have like plentiful of food. And I think the child was malnourished. Mm. It ended up being like a very sad story. But I think for the time of what she lived in, when life was quote unquote again good <laughs> with this family, and to have been able to be published, and I love writing. I love reading people's work and I think I just appreciated that she had the space to be able to do that and to have her words to be printed and mm-hmm. to be notable enough for that story to have been carried along in history. So that's someone that I admire. I love it. <laughs> um, so for me, I, and I'll tell you the approach. Cause when you told me three people, I'm like, Oh Lord, that's it. You know? <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. to do you know someone um i decided to you know like i said make it you know someone personal 
and um, I decided to do someone currently that is current, like that is I'm currently inspired by, mm-hmm. and then someone from the past. So you did Phyllis. So my person from my past is actually a group of individuals because I couldn't just choose one. Mm-hmm. So it's a group of individuals, and it's the 22 founders of my illustrious ah. sorority, Justice <laughs> with Theater Sorority Incorporated. <laughs> and um, I think about how young these these women were at the time and the work that they did and it's mind-blowing I think about myself at like 18 19 20 and I think about where they were when they founded um, our sorority and um, the work that they did their writings you sit back and you're like how old were you? Oh, wow. um, and just, I mean, to participate in the suffrage march, they were a group of black women during this time participating in the suffrage march. And it's, it's just mind blowing because they're what we consider kids right now. Think about what a 19 or 20 year old college student is mm-hmm. right now. But these were women back then changing the world in 1913. Mm. I mean, let, let's talk about 1913. Let's talk yeah. about when slavery ended. Yeah. Think about who their parents were. Some of their parents were slaves. Right. Grandparents. And it's like, so funny because we'll say like slavery ended in the latter part of 1800s, but <laughs> the feel of slavery right. ended in like 19. 19- <laughs> 60? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. So think about how these women were, I mean, intellectual, educated, when some of their grandparents and their parents probably didn't have that level of education. Mm-hmm. And they were so young and so ambitious and the things they were able to accomplish, you know, it's, it just blows my mind when you sit and you read about it. You're like, how old were you? Right. I mean, it's literally you put an organization in place that has changed American history and culture and the women that have come out of this sorority i mean you the list can go on yeah you know i so 22 founders those are my historical um figures that i just i'm still mind blown right i think about it and as i was watching self-made um which is a whole nother story <laughs> and um just the dates of self-made um and for those of you guys that haven't seen it it's um um uh, uh, what is it? A mini series based off Madam C.J. Walker's life. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the dates, you know, and I think that's when it hit me again. When um, you think about um, what's his name's dad, uh, C.J.'s dad, her husband's dad, he was a slave. Mm-hmm. How close he that was, is in time. Yeah. Right. He was a slave. And I think CJ, I think, was born either on the plantation or right as emancipation happened. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at it like I'm looking here at these people that, I mean, literally were born into slavery. Mm -hmm. And that just got me thinking. So as I was writing my list, I was like, yeah, these are 
young people that were changing the world. So, yeah, so my 22. So I, have, I have something to say about that. <laughs> so when I went to Jay's Crossing, and I told my brother this because he is a Omega. What's up, bro? <laughs> I said that, oh, you know, I really didn't get it until I went to Jay's Crossing of how this really feels like such black excellence. And it's really, I think I told you the day of, it was very like emotional to just be in a room full of black people and uplifting and seeing them like on this platform. And it's a really beautiful sight to see, Mm -hmm. like something that everyone should experience rather crossing or rather just being there for support. And as you were saying that, it also reminded me, and I know that these are two extreme analogies, but... It reminded me because we finished the Malcolm X documentary and it reminded me of what the nation of this is a a big difference of an analogy, but what the nation of Islam was for black people of that time. Like, I feel like I feel like organizations or or people come to the forefront because I felt like black people had been oppressed and had been you know, held down so long to feel bad about yourself or not feel like you were pretty or educated or capable and something needed to transpire to remind yourself of how freaking great you are and you need to be a part of this to remind you you are beautiful, you are you are capable, you can do all of these things. And so I, I like how, you know, sororities, fraternities, organizations to remind people of this because like now we have this melanin which I don't know if it's as trendy as it was like last year the years before but how like there'll be this emergence of of black is beautiful black girl magic because so often we have been reminded or told that it wasn't in 1913 I can't imagine how harsh it was in comparison to how it is in 2020 Mm -hmm. but I say all of that to say that I'm appreciative of each movement because it helps push us further and further ahead and realize Absolutely. how dope we are. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it is a powerful thing. And I think sometimes, you know, for people from the outside looking in, it's just like, well, I don't get it. But I think when you witness it, and like you said, you witness the power and the beauty that's involved and you see that there, there were women in that room that, didn't know me by name personally, right? but we have a kinship that I know that I can call on them. Or I know I always, you know, tell people, I said, I have over 200,000 women behind me strong. You know, it, it is a strong movement is a supportive movement. And I think people forget how much these black organizations, whether it's Greek letter organizations or whether, you you know, like you said, the Nation of Islam or whether it's the NAACP or different things, how much these organizations have changed the course of history and, you know, in life as we we know it, you know, you there every organization you know people have their own thing and they won't be perfect but you know it's kind of like black lives matter you know there's you know there's different internal things happening and they, but you can't fault the work that gets done right. through these organizations and the intention so, that's set behind yes, it so. here we go okay so my last person similar to yours would be my mother um i could not not list her at all 
And I definitely feel as I've gotten older, she and I have gotten closer. Right now, I'm the age that she was when she had me. Is the same age that I am having Ellis. <laughs> so that's kind of like surreal. And then even she's been super supportive this time around. Not that she wasn't the first time, but she was working the first time I had Ezra. Whereas now she's retired. And she can't even be here as much as we would like her to be because of Corona. And she is the vulnerable population because she only got one lung. And she's over 60. So <laughs> her going back and forth is just, you know, not as often. But um, when we were talking about... I had told you kind of like the struggle that I had with having Ellis this time around compared to Ezra, which I'll talk about in a whole nother episode. And she was sharing how, well, I don't even think epidural was an option back then, or maybe we were just like too poor or whatever, but I had all my children natural. And I was like, you had all three of us natural? And she was like, yeah, you know, we didn't have ultrasounds. We we have all that stuff. We just had the child and I could not imagine, like I like I was going on about Ellis, three kids, mm-hmm. natural. Mm-hmm. I digress, but um, I admire my mom because, like I said, her strength is just phenomenal, and I think that what I love the most about her is that she is incredibly ride or die for her children, and they come first and foremost before anything or anyone and we felt that we knew that it was evident and I told her this story once it was my sophomore year of college and I was moving from I went to Clayton State University so we had these dorms called Clayton Place and they looked like apartments and they had built this second phase that was brand new and it, I had a two-bedroom with a girl who was a friend of mine from high school who was moving up. She was just coming in my sophomore year. And so our apartment wasn't going to be ready until August. And so being that it was delayed in comparison to when school started, they put us up in a hotel in Riverdale. Yeah. And so we had found out through the grapevine because students worked in the office of the apartments. Yeah. That the apartment that we had selected was the largest apartment in the entire complex. And someone who worked in the office had sent us an email saying that there was a glitch in the system and our apartment wasn't going to be ready. Um, or we had double booked with someone else who had selected the same apartment. And so they had to look at the timestamp and they gave the apartment to this other person. And so we were going to have to wait to get another apartment a week later. And so, through the grapevine of gossip, and Clayton State is not that big of a a school, I found out that someone who worked in the office wanted our apartment because it was the biggest. So, they lied to us to take the apartment. They had asked the manager of the apartment complex if they had negotiated with us if they could have it. And she said, well, as long as that person is cool with it, yeah, y'all can have that apartment. So, she just made up a lie, right? So I was telling my mom about it, and she was like, let me call you back. Then she calls me back 10 minutes later. Go on up there and pick up your keys. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And it was like, done. I'm like 19. Done. (laughs) And it was, this was always her with all of us. 
And and even like now, I have to tell her like I'm grown, mama. I I, I got it. You know, I, I don't it. I don't need you. Cause she'll be like, and tell them I said it. And I'll be like, who who are you? You know, why do they care I'm that, you, mama. that you said it? <laughs> I remember when the snow apocalypse had happened, and I was stranded. I didn't get home until five a.m. I left work at one p.m. that Friday. Didn't get home to five a.m. that Saturday. Had to walk home. Had to leave my car and walk two miles to get home. And she was like, call, just call the police and tell them they need to come and get you. <laughs> and I said, Mom, who am I for them to come and get? They have to get several people that are out here. They can't even get to me. But she, like, she thinks the world of us. And she would do anything for us. And I took that on as a mother to know that my kids are beyond important foremost than anything else because I learned that from her I love it, <laughs> I love it. so I I mean I really tried to narrow this list down to three so I'm I had four and my third person um and you know what I'll talk about it in another thing since we have our little book things coming up yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm gonna save that for our you know book stuff but my third person is um you and i'll tell you why and it's you and my village and i'm going to talk about two people in uh, particular so um so what i absolutely love about you is like i don't you don't know what no is in a good way if someone tells you no, you're like, okay, well, I'll just find another way to get it done. <laughs> I really, really love that you don't make excuses. It's if you want something done, regardless if you hear no a million times, you'll find a million and one ways mm. to make it happen. And I appreciate that. Like, you don't focus on all the what ifs that could go wrong. You focus on, okay, well, if it goes wrong, then I'll fix it. Mm. So if you want to write a book, Probably a couple months later, you'll write, your book will be done and it'll be published, and you'll be like, "So you know, my book's coming out." And I'm like, "What's happened?" You know, like so. I I love your go getter spirit in the sense that you're not afraid to try things, you're not afraid to fail, you're not afraid to hear no because you'll think of a way to make it happen. And when people think of you know people that are self made or people that get stuff done on their own as in what true entrepreneurship looks like mm -hmm. i think about you okay. you will research all your options you will find a way to get it done and not only that but you're willing to share it with other people mm -hmm. and not a lot of other and not i won't say a lot but some people aren't willing to do that mm -hmm. Some people believe, well, I got it on my own. I figured it out on my own. I don't want to share it with you. And if I do, it comes with a fee. And not that I think that there's a, that a fee can't be associated with things because yes, you did, you know, it was the time you took to figure this stuff out or get it done. But I just always admire the way how you feel like I'm going to reach back 
or I'm pulling you with me. Mm -hmm. It's no competition that like if I'm eating at the table here, here's a chair. Even if we got to share the chair, mm -hmm. Ooh, that was a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> Even if we have to share the chair at the table, I'm going to share it with you because I want you to win. You're a, not even just a friend. You are a person that believes in other people winning. Mm -hmm. And, and I really, really, really love that about you. You're, hella supportive you know um you don't really judge in a sense that you know i can be vulnerable with you like i could say well here's how i'm feeling and you'll you'll have on your therapist hat but it's also <laughs> from a friend place you know like when i was in a really bad place and you're like you know i think you should see my therapist you have a way <laughs> of saying it that is not you know where i feel like well hell it's kind of like uh i'm gonna put it on the table and if you want it i'll take the journey with you so i really 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 appreciate that thank you and and i'm just i'm always amazed by you like whenever i'm like oh gosh it's chilling i'm just so tired and i'm like well Keisha, get it done. The girl, get it done. So that's just kind of, no, that, no, really, like, in all honesty and in all truth, I'm always inspired by how you just, you keep it moving. You keep it moving. You know, my word for you, you know, during, um, without giving up too much about your, um, your blessing way, you know, we had to choose a word mm -hmm. that represented you. And for me, it's resilience. And it's funny because so many other people chose that word as well. <laughs> like you keep going regardless of the madness or, you know, that's going on. You keep going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I really appreciate you. I love you. You're always like that. You know, just uh, you're always I'm like, OK. What will Keisha do? <laughs> so, and also, um, one of our other, my other friend, Kristen, I, I love how Kristen like balances motherhood mm. with ease. Mm -hmm. Um, she has three boys and who three yeah. boys is. And I mean, she, she also is a teacher. So not only are you dealing with kids and yeah. you're nine to five, but you have to come home and she also coaches. So there she coaches cheerleading, but I just always love. Um, she always has some positive feedback on um, motherhood and all. it's all, always so inspiring that she's also a person that keeps going. And sometimes I'm just like, how are you not tired? Like you're literally mm -hmm. your entire life. And her husband was was away for work for a little bit. And I remember it it gave me anxiety and I'm not oh. in their house. <laughs> <laughs> three boys at different stages yes. you know she has a teenager you know um preston is six mm -hmm. and then anderson just turned four and to be able you know jan was away for work and for her to just balance it just all and you know still maintain her sanity while doing other things and she also teaches online so, I mean, so I, I love, I always look to her for balance and, you know, what to do. And there's just, um, you know, people probably listen to this and be like, what about me? But, you know, I'm so inspired by, like, just my friends that mm -hmm. balance things and make it look easy when it's not. Mm -hmm. So those are my three. It was, you know, it was a very, 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 very long list that mm -hmm. I had to narrow down to three people. But, you know, just 
those are, well, I guess it's really four in essence <laughs> <laughs> that I narrowed it down to. But yeah, so. Well, you I know, I've decided not to have the conference this year. Hot way, I just didn't hear that. What? I decided not to have the conference this year. No! Yeah. I was looking forward to it! Yeah, because usually I started planning it in March, mm-hmm. and that's when Corona happened. And, you know, it's a sponsor-led conference. Yeah. So we got sponsored food, sponsored drinks, sponsored gift bags, sponsored, you know, decor. And I just, with everything going on with small businesses, I don't feel right being like, hey, do you think you could, you know, do this or do that? And then not knowing when this would be over, where people's financial situations are. Like, even with Ezra's school, they emailed us hoping that they will still be open at the end of all of yeah. this. Um, so I think I'm just going to do maybe like a meetup, like a, a girls night out or something like that. And then just do the conference next year. Cause I just don't feel right being like, Hey, buy this ticket and donate all this stuff. And, and people financially aren't, aren't great right now. I, 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 I get it. And I mean, bigger and better next year, Yeah, you know, I'm not think sponsors again. Here's one of the reasons why I love you. You're thinking about the whole picture. You know, some people would be like, well, the show got to go on now. I'm at any cost. They just canceled Essence Fest, girl. That should have been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> they well, they canceled did cancel Essence Festival. They just canceled it wow. like a week ago. And wow. you know, New Orleans is one of and the. And that's in July. I mean, yeah. I would have thought they would have canceled it when, you know, like Coachella was being canceled. You know, well, I guess those things were earlier too. And I guess everybody thought by July we would back to be some yeah. form of normalcy because I thought so. Yeah. You know, but people won't stare their asses at home and we are not equipped as a nation to deal with this, um, you know, pandemic. So, I mean. But Essence just canceled, and I mean, I wasn't going to go. Right, right. I'm not going to any, honestly, you know, I don't think I'm going to be going to any big events like that for a while. I need the Rona to leave the air for a minute before I put myself in those places. It might be to the end of the year before I go to any kind of concerts or anything like that. Just, you know, better say sorry. They said that it could be coming back as soon as fall comes back, too. So it could just be a wrap, like, on the year of doing anything significant. And I'm just grateful, you know, that, you know, even people that I know that, you know, have contracted it are okay. Yeah. And, you know, no one that I personally know that have died from it. But it's real out here. It is. It is. I don't understand why people are just acting like this is, even if you feel like this is some government led thing and still be, be safe, right? Be safe. If you don't have to go out there, don't go out there. Like yesterday, I hated that we even, I felt, well, not hated. I felt bad that, you know, we went looking for homes, but I'm like, I need to sell this house and move into another one right. soon. Or the market drops and I don't get what I deserve off of our current home. Right, right. So, I mean, <laughs> but, we're, we're working on a timeline. Right. But um, thank you for being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I look forward to seeing you in person one day. Oh, one yeah. day.